0: On that, uh, <laughs> I'm Archer. I Ben,
1: uh, number one villain of the Luminary Econ Department here.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're here in the thick of uh, I don't know. For some people, I guess this is the best basketball season of the year, right? March Madness. Not not for us, but I'm still enjoying myself.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: for for people who don't think they play defense in the NBA and
1: <laughs> stuff like that, it's um, the best time of the year.
0: But Kyrie had 24, by the way. Now after six in the first half, I don't know if you saw uh, that.
1: I did not see that, but I I could feel it coming because he was getting on one of those hot streaks. Still a classic yeah. Wizards game
0: though, where we're holding it in pace.
1: Alex, it's the Alex Lund game. That's what I was calling it. The
0: the Alex Lund game from. is here. He, yeah, of course, all the points 20, are coming so. now. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about the Wizards, at least not not yet. Some teams that are more relevant first, because the league's changed a lot in the past couple of weeks. We've seen things move around a little bit, and by the time this probably gets posted, tomorrow, Monday, there'll probably be a thousand more things that get changed Um because I don't know because it's kind of how it goes I feel like things just kind of pile up toward the end of uh, the trade deadline but I don't know Well, what team are you most excited or most hopeful that they might make a big move at this point besides the Lakers that's too easy after the LeBron injury
1: (laughs) yeah the the Lakers don't have an avenue really for making like an incredibly incredibly interesting trade either yeah I mean
0: like more than the Clippers but also like (laughs) like the Clippers who are like we want Lonzo Ball and everyone's like I don't know how that's going to happen like nobody (laughs) wants Luke Kennard
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 for some reason, Luke Canard gets brought up as their only young player with any value when, like, I think the Terrence Mann should have, like, a little bit of value at least. I think they want
0: to keep him, though, right? Like,
1: yeah, I guess, I, I guess they would want to keep him, but if, if there is a bigger fish that they can flip a yeah, young yeah. prospect for, maybe you uh, could sell somebody can... on Cabin Gelly. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Um, but, in terms yeah, of the so trade deadline. We,
0: we can't spend this much time talking about uh, terrible teams. No no more on the Clippers. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I've, I've got 10 minutes on Cabin Gelly, locked and loaded, if you want to go <laughs> for it. Oh, um, my God. So, beyond the contenders, who I think like all, like all of them are looking to improve themselves around the fringes, I don't know if any of them are making a big move other than the Sixers or Heat. Uh, going after Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm very, very curious for this, like, this, the, the middle tier of the Eastern Conference. And I'm thinking of uh, New York, Charlotte, Atlanta, and I'd throw Chicago in there, too. They're all very, very bunched up in the standings right now. I think each eight, eight and a half games back of the uh, first place. And I think that, like, I'm just very curious to see which direction these teams go at the playoffs, how aggressively they chase uh, making the playoffs. Because the Hawks – because all four of those teams are on pretty lengthy playoff droughts. The Hawks made it in 2017, but the Knicks, uh, Hornets, and Bulls have all been out of the playoffs for a while. And, like, they, see, they seem like fan bases and organizations would be hungry to make it, and Tibbs is, like, coach of the Knicks, seems especially, like – he's not going to sacrifice. He's not going to, he's going to play their winning players. He's not going to have a developmental season uh, as Andrew Wiggins probably learned kind of harshly, but I, 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 I'm very curious to see how these teams uh, shake out. Obviously like Charlotte and Atlanta have been linked with some John Collins deals. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't specifically know what the moves to be made there are. But I think if you add like Oladipo to the Knicks with some creation, if you add, you know, Collins to Charlotte, the the it, it's going to be fun to see which of these teams makes a real push for the playoffs. And because I think that, you know, they have stars. There's there's a world in which Atlanta makes a move that you can put them on the same level as on the level where they might win a four or five playoff series or at least get to the fifth seed in right. the East. Well, you, you, I wanted to ask you, you were really high on the Hawks coming into the season. Like they're on an eight, no winning streak (laughs) post uh, Lloyd Pierce's fire firing. Uh, What, is there anything interesting about them to you?
0: Yeah, I, I honestly have been less impressed with this eight game winning streak just because of who they've played. I mean, any eight game winning streak is impressive, but certainly there are some that are more impressive than them kind of knocking out some of the worst teams in the NBA and they depleted Lakers team. But um. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm excited to see when Hunter comes back because I think their whole team, both offensively and defensively, is just kind of incomplete without him. You're missing one of your three or four best players, probably. I think maybe your second, although Capella has been playing pretty damn well this year. And I think, uh, I don't know, John Collins has also been playing pretty great this year, but one of your key starters, nonetheless. And uh, I before I can firmly commit to them being worthy of finishing with a four seed in home court advantage which I think is getting kind of overlooked considering like Atlanta already has fans in the stadium and I think a lot of teams probably will by the time the playoffs come around so getting that four seed I think is going to be important and I want to see them play with DeAndre Hunter before I can be confident that's something that they're worthy of doing but um yeah until that happens the Trey defense thing I think just worries me a little bit too much even though I've always been impressed by Trey in the past couple weeks, what he's been doing under McMillan offensively has just taken it to another level, I think. And it's so fucking fun to watch. So I I can't wait to see them fully healthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The thing that with the, with the Hawks for me, is just, I don't know what, uh, if they know what their defined roles are, they have so many rotation level players, guys that you need to get minutes. Um, you know, between the Bogdanovich, uh, Hunter, Herder, um, little crowd at the two guard there, you could throw like Tony Snell in with that mix. Uh, they have a they have a crowded four spot with Gallinari, Nate Knight, uh, Okongwu, Rob right. Collins. Um, it's a, it's all very congested, and I don't think you know who's gonna make sense there. I think I think you have um Collins, Capella, Hunter, and Trey are your four best players. And all four of them tend to work pretty well together. Uh, after that, I think it'd be kind of fun if they made a move
0: to... Yeah, uh, I'd be fine with them trading Collins, too, if the right deal is there. But I don't know if it is, is the problem. Although Boston, I think, is pretty intriguing.
1: Boston makes some sense. I, I don't know who they'd give up. I think P.J. Washington or Miles Bridges from... The hornets would be fun too for both teams just because they have such overlapping skill sets yes. uh, in charlotte and just like giving lamello another lob threat and like serious serious pick and roll partner is always going to be a blast um uh, i've seen this uh like uh cam reddish for lonzo flip uh get, get brought up before and i think both fan bases kind of hate it <laughs>
0: cool. and, and, that's a th- like Lonzo would be perfect for so many teams right now, but the Pelicans, I feel like it's just kind of gotten too good for them. Like he's just going to become a piece that they resign, whether he is good enough to be the third best part on a championship team. Time will tell, but I think that they seem kind of convinced that he's at least worth trying to see if he'll become that piece. I mean, he's 22. He already is a great defender and I don't know the best defender on that team probably. And yeah. Um, you know, is a forty percent three point shooter, and it seems like it's not just a phase. Last year, like he can be a great catch and three catch and shoot three point shooter, and is kind of ideally if he can reach his potential, the perfect third man next to y- next to Zion. If you can find that second guy, so right. I don't know. I think I think he's gotten a little bit too good. Even though the idea of seeing him next to Trey Young is like, there's also not any more better fits than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The him playing as an off off guard for uh the off ball guard for on a team with a guard that can create and do everything you can like trey or levine maybe in chicago it makes okay. a lot of sense but uh he's also a guy who i think like is probably going to be like 18 six, and six for the rest of his career and like maybe a little bit less scoring you know he's, he's rarely going to get you above 30 points in a game but his yeah. three-point shooting has gotten to the level where i feel pretty good about him Giving you eighteen six and six with great defense and just filling in the holes around superstars on both ends of the roster, and I feel like yeah
0: that
1: that's who New Orleans should keep. It's the
0: veterans who are giving them the trouble, and they're oh man, the Bledsoe and Adams thing. Like they, there's no yeah. way they're gonna get rid of him. It's such a swing and a miss. Like nice picks, I guess, but you're not gonna make the playoffs because of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know the I don't see where a fit with Bledsoe would be I guess you can throw Reddick in with the veterans that don't make sense there, but it's it's kind of rough. And Adams has two more years on his contract, right? Tough. Yeah. It. what has three. Yeah. I I don't know what what you do with them because <laughs> <laughs> I Steven Adams is type his his mold in the league is just been <laughs> has has disappeared. And his, like, inability to score and finish has gotten worse and worse and worse. And,
0: right. you know,
1: he needs – I think he needs, like, an incred- – he needs to play with a elite, elite pick-and-roll guard for him to have any offensive value to a team, really. Um, or maybe elite shooters for him to screen for. But <laughs>
0: playing with yeah. Zion
1: is, is not the guy. Playing with Zion Ingram is not the fit.
0: The thing about Lonzo is we saw him at UCLA be such a better – I mean, strictly better, really, at just driving to the rim. I mean, that's something that's completely faded from his game. He's never averaged more right. than two free throws a game as a point guard. I mean, that's just absurd. And uh, I think we're going to need to see that improve from him if he really wants to become more than, like you're saying, just an 18-6-6 and guy. But the problem right. really is Brandon Ingram. I, I mean, not the Brandon Ingram, I, I'm still super, super high on him. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. But – theoretically he should be on Zion's timeline because they're both 21 to 23 years old, but Zion is just too good for that. Like Zion is ready to win now. And Brandon Ingram is ready to hopefully develop into the player that could be a great piece next to Zion. And I don't know how you reconcile that. It's the weirdest difference. Like do you do something like Denver did and find a guy who is six years older, like they did with Porzingis? I I don't know what the answer is, but this team's not ready to win.
1: Yeah. It's the the Zion Ingram dynamic is, very weird to me when I watch games too because I watch the end of games and it feels like they're still you know they have select moments like in that Celtics game it felt like you know Zion's big national tv coming out party and they ran a lot of their offense and crunch time through him but most of the time they're running their crunch time offense through Ingram and I just don't understand (laughs) because Zion is one of the most efficient uh players in the NBA he's right one of the most effective at getting the rim already I watched the game much of the game today that they had. And while it was still a very good game for Ingram, he had 38 assists, six forwards on 11 for 23 shooting. Zion also had 30 points on nine for 13. And there's no reason why Ingram shouldn't be be 20. (laughs) There's no reason why Ingram should be taking 10 more shots than Zion in a game. Yeah, Even when it works out, it just, the process doesn't feel right.
0: I completely agree. yeah, I mean, that's and- the thing, that Portland game that they lost when Dame dropped 50, we saw every time Zion took it in clutch time. He was just getting to the yeah. basket at will. And even if it was a contested shot, I mean, that's what people... I mean, both of us were really high on Zion as like a transcendent project prospect coming out of the draft, as were many people. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest rebuttal to the, you know, Zion's knee injuries might be his downfall is that he is going to be a durable player, I think, even if he is a little bit plagued by injuries or loses some of this athleticism because he his footwork in the paint and the way he can just create shots within five feet is next to none. I mean, Luca is also incredible at it as a guy who's like a similar height and can't just like dominate using his size, like someone like Joel Embiid or, you know, Chris Epps, I isn't the best post player, but, you know, you get my point, like his footwork and the way he can just create and bounce off contact, it's just incredible. And I, I think his game is going to age so well. And, you know, against Portland in that game, he was getting to the rim. Shooting and making shots within five feet, and at the end of the game, Brandon Ingram gets fouled and misses two free throws, and Portland just kind of takes it over. I mean, it's just it's so bizarre to me.
1: Right. Yeah. I still, it it, for me, it comes down to this this thing where when when I hear people talking about the the future of the Pelicans and what they're going to look like, I I I hear how are they going to build around Zion and Ingram, and I just think it should be a question of how you build around Zion. I think Ingram's very very good, but. You build the roster to maximize Zion, and if Ingram gets in the way of that, then he has tons of value. You can move <laughs> yeah. him. But like you specifically worry about how to build the roster about Zion and hope that Ingram fits into that other than rather than worrying about both of them uh, when you're making when you're making your roster. I, I don't know the its it, it's kind of tough. It's similar to to Boston where. Yeah, you know, Jalen Jalen Brown and uh Tatum have got, gotten brought up together. I've well let's let's get to what I think just made you moan no because way. <laughs> Yeah. So the rookie of the year race just opened right wide open. We were kind of talking about it before we got on, and then two minutes ago, notification that LaMelo will likely miss the rest of the season for a broken wrist. Uh Initial reactions. Do you think this changes fuck. Charlotte's plans at the <laughs> deadlines? Like, just a natural fuck for not being able to watch uh, Lamelo Ball and his wizardry the rest of the season.
0: That's fat. I mean, I would assume that they probably won't be buyers now, right? Like, you're not going to win a first right. round series without Lamelo. I mean, maybe he could come back for the playoffs, but fuck. I mean, that that's crazy. I, I think you tank. Let's let's see them get another top pick. That's my initial reaction. But I'm sure that's not Michael Jordan's reaction, <laughs> wherever Michael Jordan is right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, I'm sure it's not Michael Jordan's reaction, and they also still have the guard play, where they probably just won't be that bad because of how good Rozier and Terry and uh, Devonte Graham are at creating and Hayward and stuff like that. But it it really sucks. I do think that there's any any chance that they become sellers. I think Bianbo is an expiring at 16 mil and is absolutely not going to be part of their future plan. Uh, I don't know what Zeller would bring to any team, but
0: that Um, is... Yeah, it's probably too too hard to trade Gordon Hayward, although I'm sure there's some teams that would want him. Uh, I'm sure there's some teams that would want him. (laughs) That is so tough, man. I, it also opens up the race that you're talking about. Like, I wonder if a Chicago or if a uh, New York sees this opportunity now to maybe take over that fourth best spot. And I mean, you know, both of those guys, even the Hawks too, to an extent with Trey Young, have players that are sort of ready. I mean, Julius Randle and Zach Levine a little bit more just because they're older and they've yeah. gone through their shitty years that Trey you know, hasn't. Like Julius Randle, it's time for him to win if he's ever going to. I think
1: Trey, I do think it's time for Trey to to win. And I don't know if I'm putting too much on him too early, but this is his third year. I, yeah. I don't mean like win like win a playoff series or anything. I just think it's time for him to like see what a yeah, what what a playoff defense that has been crafted and fully focused on Trey looks like and was specifically designed to stop him.
0: Cause... That doesn't worry me at all. I I, th- I think his offense is going to be completely fine and he'll have some incredible playoff moments. I'm more worried about what a playoff offense crafted to pick apart and play well, yeah, Trey yeah. Young every time is going to look like. And I'm like, you know, that scares the shit out of me as someone who wants to see Trey Young succeed. But that's why I kind of want to see him in the play-in game. Like he's the exact kind of yeah. guy and Zach Levine too that's just built for like, you know, that sort of bucket getting that you're going to need at the end of a game. We've seen it a couple times uh, over the past few years. John Morant dropping 40 in a play-in game. Um,
1: who was it the first Damon time? Was it TJ. Jokic
0: the first time when we saw that one game against uh, Minnesota? Was that was that Denver?
1: It was Denver versus Minnesota a few years ago. It was the last regular yeah. season game and the winner was going to be the eighth seed in the West. Right. And Minnesota pulled it out but Jokic had a
0: crazy, crazy game, right? So, like you know, it's time to make your chops in that sort of do or die situation, yeah. and that's like it seems like what those guys' games are built for. So I don't know, but you know, the East is so weak. I would not be surprised if they crept up into those four and five spots. Like, there's no separation between any of those teams right now.
1: And, and technically, Atlanta, after yesterday's win, is the four seed in the East right now. So they it's super congested, but all they have to do is. Maintain this pace and hold on to what they right. what they have been doing. I think my my thing with Trey is just more about you know, similar to how people talked about Steph when he was younger. Like, what is the added physicality of the playoffs? How does Trey hold up in that? If he does, you know, have right. a make it class to pass the play in and make it to a series, like, what is seven games of being hit every time he makes into the lane yeah. of of <laughs> having double teams and traps constantly? And like physical, uh, focused, uh, hyperactive double teams—that uh, stuff's gonna be interesting to see. Like if Tra- if Trey's uh, size will hurt him at all in leading like an elite playoff-level offense. Because if they're going to win playoff games, it needs to be through just really, really great offense. Because of the defensive limitations you mentioned. Yeah. for Yeah, I
0: mean not to downplay how great the head and Colin Capella has been this year, but you know, we've seen him get played off the court in playoff games and he's another kind of player that isn't maybe perfectly set up to be as good in the playoffs as he is in the regular season. So you're exactly right. I mean, that's the kind of team where it's like, let's fucking see it because you know uh they're the exact kind of team that we've seen maybe fail a little bit in the playoffs before but you know i i also want to see trey young get that sort of experience i would not expect them to win and i won't be you know any more down on trey young when they inevitably lose four to one in a playoff series against the fucking <laughs> bucks or whatever yeah I
1: mean, and i mean like Giannis is one of the few guys in the league like if they play like the bucks, he would just like have fun with that Trey for a full series of just like any time you call someone over to screen you on the pick and roll Giannis is the one guarding the screener and he's going to switch on to you. But, uh, I, so if you were, let let's just say hypothetically that you're a betting man. Um, wh- who would you bet on right now to win rookie of the year? Now that this, uh, Trey injury, uh, this, this LaMelo
0: injury has happened. That's really fascinating. I mean, Anthony Edwards has to be the biggest stock up guy, right? <laughs> like yeah, maybe yeah. they still give it to LaMelo, but if the bar for what Anthony Edwards would have to do to make it a race is significantly lower, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think this number two guy, right, is Halliburton.
1: Like he's the only other guy in that conversation. And he has fallen off a cliff, right? Uh, In terms of the counting stats recently, and in even just like his aggressive level, his aggression level, and you see teams playing him to pass more and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And like, I think people are a lot more disappointed with um, the Kings than they are with Minnesota, who have had a lot go wrong for them to be this bad. And also, maybe expected to be a team to take a big leap this year, which I personally didn't expect Minnesota to do anything. And I was a little bit more hopeful about what, um, what the Kings might be able to do. So I don't know. I, I see your point. I think, man, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what Anthony or uh, what Anthony Edwards is uh, odds are coming into tomorrow. I'm sure he's going to be the overwhelming favorite now. I don't know. Do you think there's any chance LaMelo still gets it? If he doesn't if he play, miss- let's say. If he misses the rest
1: of the season, it would be hard it would it would like I think if Edwards since there's no uh no one who's really jumped you know jumped off the page uh, I think if Edwards regresses over these last thirty or so games of the season and he goes back to his inefficient numbers and it's only like seventeen sixteen points a game on bad I shooting there's maybe a chance but otherwise I'm. I I don't think LaMelo can pull it out. Yeah, you're frozen on my screen.
0: You see me? Yep. Uh, sick. We're back. Um. Yeah, I, I just looked it up too, and Lamelo's played forty-one games this year. Started twenty-one. I mean, Joel, the year that he didn't got it, um, didn't get it, played thirty-one only, and that's a pretty well, big difference. Especially he should have gotten it. Yeah. I was all uh, I was all for that. Like,
2: <laughs> like when history looks back. It it makes a lot more sense when we look back at history for Joel to have a Rookie of the Year
0: than Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon.
2: Brogdon but. There are a lot
0: that don't make sense though. I mean, it would have. I kind of thought it might have made more sense for Dario Sarge to have gotten it that year than Malcolm Brogdon at the time, at least. Which I don't know. Yeah. If that's aged super well. But yeah, Joel, Joel deserved it. It's
1: but fucking like an Andre
0: Iguodala has a Finals MVP, so nothing, nothing means anything. <laughs> I I guess that's fair. The
2: LeBron deserved that one too I'm I'm gonna go (laughs) uh with the hot takes but LeBron deserved that Steph probably deserved
0: it a little bit more I don't know
2: yeah I mean Steph deserved it more than Iguodala for sure the the Warriors I don't know if you saw Ben Taylor he's been doing the greatest peak series and he just dropped a 36 minute video on Steph Curry and (laughs) which was you know just fascinating just so much fun because you just watch Steph Curry make threes but Yeah,
0: and like I like how that's already, like, nostalgic for us. That's yeah, like exactly. Like four years ago that we lived through, and probably, like, outside of, I've loved watching a couple seasons of Pittsburgh players that I've gotten really invested in, but outside of that, I think this is the most fun, Steph Curry's unanimous uh-huh. MVP season I've ever had watching a player during a season. Um, I mean, just, like, you could not not turn into those games because, you know, like, by the time he was heating up, uh, he would already be getting pulled at the end of the third quarter. So You had to like catch it before he actually started becoming a microwave. <laughs> right.
2: It was, it was those first and third quarters that year. That was just absurd yep. is when he was going after it. it. You could fucking set your watch to it. It <laughs> is incredible. And it is, it is kind of funny because like I saw the video of like clay kayaking the practice yesterday and I was like, Oh man, remember when he played basketball, like that was insane.
0: <laughs> he used to be so good.
2: It um, used to be so good that is not wrong. <laughs> but but yeah, so the they were talking there's a there's a point in the Ben Taylor video where it mentioned how that Warriors uh the three-year stretch from like 2015 through 2017 or 2016 through 2018 was like one of the greatest uh offensive stretches for any team in the playoff in playoff history, uh for the Warriors and I'm going to – my analysis is that that was way more Steph Curry than Andre Iguodala, so he probably <laughs> deserves that MVP.
0: Yeah, he had one bad game during that series that really was the reason why they didn't give it to him, which is hilarious, because he balled out a couple of those games too. It was not uh, just okay. game two of Matthew Dellavedova turning into uh, fucking prime Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
2: Second leading scorer in that series for the Cavs was Timothy Moskov. Just, <laughs> just an insane LeBron performance to where they like they really could have won it even without Love or Kyrie. They really could have won it if David Lee didn't go off in Game Six.
0: And there are too many what ifs with LeBron's career at this point, and uh, I hope we're not living through another one. Let's just say that. That is a very very good point. Um. Man, just watching him like in those back to back games where he dropped the 25, 12, and 12 game and then came back the next night on a back to back. Both of these games he only played less than 30 minutes and then dropped Mm -hmm. 37, 8, and 7, and just like looked pretty effortlessly doing it. It Was hitting threes, grabbing boards, throwing dimes, and like man, it felt like it was just like it was happening. And I don't know. I I just there was some sort of tingly feeling that this is going to be a special LeBron second half of the season and hopefully he can come back healthy and maybe continue that trend, but it's just so fucking sad, man. He traveled with the team to Phoenix. You see that? Maybe, maybe he plays tonight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, I seems unlikely. The, uh it is, he does sort of have a pattern throughout his career, a history of coming back very, very well, very strong after uh, absences over <laughs> after he's missed time uh, in regular seasons. So I as disappointing as it is to not see LeBron like make that big push for MVP over the second half of the season in the long run it might be the best thing for the Lakers uh playoffs and just
0: getting LeBron rest that's a good point I mean their two best players are gonna have what probably 40 to 60 games played on the season probably a lot less for Anthony Davis um that's no, not the worst thing in the world. I mean, especially when you look at mm-hmm. the Nets and Kevin Durant, who's played 19 games so far this season and is probably going to be incredibly well-rested for the playoffs and is certainly at this point not worrying about whether he's going to be MVP of the league. Maybe it's better <laughs> to take a little bit of time off.
2: Ooh. We've got to get the uh, the Nets Twitter to start the hashtag hard and better to get in Katie's head a little bit because you know he's reading it.
0: You know, you know he's reading it we yeah he just had uh, another one of those tweets yeah, I don't know if you saw where he's just like i'm just here to argue about sports and talk about music <laughs> yep he is
2: insanely relatable which is absolutely <laughs> not what we want from our nba players but no he's he seems he seems like a very very just down to earth yeah
0: living in the replies of uh you know twitter nba threads under uh account that's not using your real name who could who could dare (laughs) yeah it's
2: like it's like we we look at LeBron and we're like man that dude is just way too cool to ever be like wasting his time giving a fuck what like some rando thinks on Twitter and then we look at Kevin Durant we're like that dude is absolutely not too cool to be doing that stuff (laughs) he is exactly nerdy enough and dorky enough uh to do that stuff just like the rest of us
0: (laughs) so Oh my God. Gotta love him. Kevin fucking Durant. I hope we get to see him soon because I don't really have a feel for what that Nets team is going to look like come playoffs. And maybe that's a good thing, but also I think there is something to be said for the Lakers just won a championship and looked like they had an extreme chemistry then. And they've been practicing together and having fun handshakes on the sideline and looking like the, like you said, the 2017 Cavs flipping water bottles on the side of the, uh, you know, yeah. they did the fake blunt roll and uh, yeah, exactly. smoke after a dunk. Like this is this, uh yeah. this is probably going to be one of the more chemistry-laden laden, laden teams that we've seen in a while. Yeah. And the Nets, you know, how many games have they played with their three together? And now they're adding Blake Griffin and – probably more by the end of the deadline. It's going to be interesting to see how they all work together.
2: I don't know, but I don't think it matters.
0: <laughs> the Nets, I think,
2: are going to be an insane playoff team to me.
0: I mean, we saw it matter with the Heat is the thing. Like, that team should have won that series. I get how good the Mavericks were knocking off Kobe that team whatever you want to say. The roster
2: was awful.
0: That I think it was chemistry issues too, though. Like they couldn't figure things out when they needed to get buckets at the end. And sure, the nets are much more ISO driven than the heat were at the time, but it still worries me a little bit that they aren't going to have the same kind of chemistry that, you know, let's say they go up against the heat who have been playing really well together and exist in a system where they are able to share the ball and get easy looks all the time yeah. in sort of the same way, hopefully for the Nets will through ISOs. I think it at least brings up a problem, especially when you consider the heat have one of the two or three best defenses in the league right now. And I think there are going to be teams that give them trouble and maybe that's enough to work things out before a final series. But, you know, I, it would not be hard for me to see them lose because they don't have that chemistry to a team like the Sixers or a team like the Heater. And granted, a team like the Bucks, who I think are cooking up some pretty interesting chemistry now with their lineup all intact and Drew Holiday back. Man, Drew Holiday's been really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... On the Nets front, I
2: think that their chemistry—I don't—I think that their chemistry is fine. I don't see any. I think that they are really, really ironing out a lot of the intricacies of their switching scheme on defense. They're getting a lot better at scramming, and when they get unfavorable, when they get mismatched, uh, you know, especially a smaller guy mismatched on a on a bigger playmaker, they're very good about getting him out of there and getting a bigger defender. And yeah. now, I think they're working on it, and it's like like Kevin Durant's going to be able to figure it out when he gets back. I don't think the fact that Kevin Durant missing this time is going to be like, ah, Kevin Durant just won't know what to do when he's out there. Like he'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. He's an insanely smart player. I have, they're, they're a super veteran team. Also, I do not have a lot of, uh, issues with that's
0: the a good point but like there's a real you know possibility that come playoffs it's like only the 10th or 11th game that they've played together with their big three and Blake Griffin or their big three and Blake or and DeAndre Jordan like their starting yeah. five might be a starting five that's only played together like single digit times by the time the playoff comes around and that it just worries me a little bit i don't, I don't know maybe you're right because they are the most talented team right. in the league but
2: yeah i think like you compared them to that heat 2011 heat team like that heat team didn't have a point guard they were starting mike bibby for some of those finals games like washed washed mike bibby um this is before they got Char- chalmers or norris cole or anything they're really really figuring out uh like and point guard they're they're figuring out how to run their offense like still in that time um the the nets are gonna know how to run their offense they have so many they have three different guys that you could call a point guard the the i'm not too worried about them but you did bring out bring up a team who i had put a a half tier below than the nets and the Sixers as is my tier one in the east and i'm i'm just I think I'm very, very close to being ready to put this team into into that tier one with them. So what what are your thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks?
0: My thoughts are that they match up really poorly against the Sixers, and I would not want to see that as a second round matchup, but my thoughts past that are that they really fucking scare me if they have to go against a team like the Nets because they are going to tear up a team like that, I think, who don't have an answer for Giannis in the paint, who, you know... I think there are two teams in the league right now that really match up well against those three players, the Lakers who kind of have an answer to throw at anybody because of Anthony Davis and LeBron James defensively. And mm-hmm. the, I don't know, the Clippers looked like they could be that answer earlier in the season. And maybe it takes a coming back to really get to that level where they can switch one through five with anybody. But I don't know. I think the Bucs are, in my opinion, the other team who really could stick with the nets defensively. And that's kind of incredible to think about because there are defensive possibilities with pj tucker if he's even i'm assuming as a baseline he's going to be better than he was in houston i don't think that's an unfair assumption sure, But if he can get sure. to a level even close to what he was uh in his prime a year ago that's a scary fucking defense and
1: the,
0: the nick Batum bump is what i'm calling it <laughs> yeah uh yeah exactly but i don't know nick Batum's falling off a little bit so Nick Batum is falling off but at least he looks like he can move
2: which he didn't look like in uh in Charlotte. The, I watched the first half of the Nets game tonight uh, which was Blake Griffin's debut and he was another prime candidate for Nick Batum bump but looked slow as hell in the minutes that I was watching him yep. and I mean and, we brought it
0: up earlier like well I don't know if you've been watching Blake Griffin like that was a worse situation than PJ Tucker.
2: I mean I kind of I kind of did have a little faith for this bump because I don't think he like, there's just, they were asking him to create offense in Detroit, which is just (laughs) past his capabilities at this point. But when he, when, when he got to a team with Harden and Kyrie and KD that they just needed him as a play finisher or even uh, a connecting, uh, uh, a connecting role as this, uh, right. You know, on the as a playmaker off the short roll when Harden gets trapped uh, in the pick and roll or something like that. But athletic like athletically he might really really be done also i th- it was only two years two and a half years removed from him being a third team all NBA all nba guy with the piston shooting over 40 percent on tough uh, right threes
0: but, but i mean yeah, that's his playmaking role on that team was so much higher than it seems capable of him doing right now no, when he, he just looks, can't move like
2: he looks so immobile and just no lift and no speed and like yeah you, you need one or the other if you don't have It's it's if you don't have one, you need the other. It's very, very tough to watch him defensively now. (laughs)
0: Weirdly, over the weekend, I was thinking, I mean, before LeBron got hurt when I was watching him really dominate i mean that minnesota game which were popped into my head where i saw a bunch i mean they won that game by 20 so it didn't matter too much but i saw i think two or three straight plays where he kicked out to wesley matthews who just bricked a three wide open in the corner and it's like this is a role that blake griffin might actually be able to thrive in just taking kickouts and draining them but the nets have plenty of that that is not something there i mean i guess they'll take all the guys who can do that they can get but it's not like a deficiency for them at this point no
2: no not at all between like tlc Shamit, uh joe harris yeah. joe harris you know jeff the, green one, tyler johnson jeff green um they have plenty of guys that can shoot uh yeah it's the the blake griffin thing is kind of weird but getting back to, to, to the original point i think that uh i think that pj tucker just makes a lot of sense for the bucks i think that like this whole year going into the year we were like we know what the bucks are, we need to see it in the playoffs to, to have a better idea. And they're and they've spent this whole year trying to be different, trying to to knowing that no one cares what they look like in the regular season and using this time to and they've to still be, been
0: the best net rating team in the league.
2: Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> like like last night, they're trying out random, random shit. They're switching Brook Lopez, they're doing just like odd stuff uh in crunch time in like you know serious crunch time minutes against the Spurs in a close game and Giannis was like a plus 21 in a game they won by seven like when he's out there and when he's playing the five and doing his stuff they are fantastic and I think he has the best one of he might have the best net
0: rating on that team just in general I mean I said that Jokic has been the best player in the league and I I still think offensively it's really not close but I I'm starting to think Giannis might be the best player in the NBA this season. I think he's probably having the best season and yet there's still pretty much no chance he's going to win MVP. I mean, just like in the past month, the way that the advanced analytics have shifted from being like, everyone thinks Jokic is the best player to Giannis got Drew Holiday back. And now Giannis has just jumped six spots in almost every metric mm-hmm. to be one of those top two players again. Like, yeah, he's probably been the best player in the league this year. The defensive metrics think he's, like, Rudy Gobert level, and he's still a dominant offensive player. So, like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Right. And I
2: think the – you you can talk about switching and stuff all you want, and that's – and P.J. Tucker will open that up. But probably the biggest uh, – the biggest thing that's coming out of this P.J. Tucker move for the Bucks is, like, it's finally, finally – uh, a, a an acceptance that Giannis is a big, and Giannis is not a wing. He's not a point forward. He is a big. He is probably is closer to Anthony Davis than he is LeBron LeBron James. And uh, we are talking about you know fives who are the best in the league. It's switching onto guards. It's switching one through five. It's Bam. It's Draymond it's Anthony Davis and it's Giannis and when Giannis gets treated as a center he he unlocks so much for them on both ends of the floor his shooting deficiencies become so much more uh, so much less important because most fives can't shoot anyways he's playing with other guys who can shoot defensively he eats up any one five pick and roll and he's just An absurd room protector. If you're using him in the role of a standard five, when team people go in there, they're terrified of him. I think that I think that just using Giannis as a five, they still. It's why you really wanted them to get Chris Paul and and me too. They they still don't have anyone to like set him up in the classic big man role where like they give him these finishes. I don't think that Middleton or Middleton and. Holiday combined might get you just enough of that like playmaking juice that you need, but it'd be nice if they had an elite, an elite guy to set them up. But, but I think Giannis, yeah, I think the Rubio the,
0: thing makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> I don't know.
2: The Rubio thing does probably make sense. It's, it's funny. The two like free agents, or the two uh, point guards out there on the market are Rubio and George Hill and George Hill is the guy that they traded earlier this year to get the uh, Drew Holiday. Yeah, but I think that Giannis is like maybe the best rebounder in the league, <laughs> other than like, you can t- other than Andre Drummond is, is what I was gonna say. Like he's he is a five, and they should play him around the basket and have him take advantage of that that stuff that skill set.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think the interesting thing, kind of a little bit past that, I mean, you talk about Rubio, and that's pretty fascinating, but. Giannis, if he's a five, the the Bucks then have three starting center or not starting caliber, but like rotation caliber centers, if that's what you're treating him as. And it brings up the issue, like if you are going to trade for someone like Ricky Rubio, wouldn't Brook Brook Lopez have to be in that conversation? And I think he should be, whether it's for someone like Rubio or somebody maybe even a little bit better. If you're going to have to package a pick with him, which you probably would, I'm making that trade. I think Bobby Portis is plenty good enough to be a backup center on a playoff team when the minutes get a little bit shorter and. What is Brooke Lopez doing on this team if your best starting lineup doesn't include him in it?
2: So someone's answer is going to be guarding Joel Embiid for 10 minutes, a game in the playoffs.
0: Why can't you? I don't, do that?
2: I don't think that that's going to happen. <laughs> um
0: I mean, Bobby Portis can stay on him for 10 minutes as well as fucking Brooke Lopez can at this point. Like, I mean, Brooke Lopez and- last year, maybe, but he's worse right. this year. And- right. And there's, yeah, I those, mean better.
2: <laughs> those are and those are the things with with Brooke Lopez is that it's a lot of stuff that you're 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 banking on a lot of stuff with him that he hasn't shown this year, but that he's shown in the past. If you want to keep him, you're keeping him because he is one of these rare players who can shoot threes and protect the rim. Although both of those skills are mainly theoretical at this point of his career, where his rim protection numbers have fallen off a cliff from being elite last year to being bad this year and his three-point shooting numbers after one yeah. uh, solid start of a couple of years ago and just especially average, with yeah. how deep he was able to take threes from it opened up a lot but he's always been averaged to slightly below average on those threes and you know I, I think there is an argument that that he won't that he won't do be in their be in their playoff system but I I don't think that there is any place for him to
0: go it's just the thing like their year to win if they're going to win is this year you're going to have to go into the tax if you're going to want to pay true holiday or cut the margins extremely around your team and they're not the sort of team that has been showing that they are willing to spend a lot of money to have a contender we saw them pass on brogdon and almost certainly after this season that's something they're going to have to do if they want to stay in contention so why not just pour everything into trying to win this year? They are a move away from being right there with the best teams in the East. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing if you're not trying as hard as you can to win and keeping Brooke Lopez Mm -hmm. seems like a hedge for future years, if anything, because the few picks that they have left, I don't know, use them. I think what, what use are they going to be in the future?
2: Yeah, I I mean you you they passed on Brogdon and also they had the chance to go after Harden or Chris Paul this offseason and opted for the cheaper option in Drew Holiday like like mainly because he was the cheaper option. So yeah. I I see what you're saying there. They you know it's they're they they have to feel a lot better at this point this year than they did at this point last year, uh just because they have Giannis locked up for five more years um but at the same time the east has gotten a lot
0: tougher and
2: yeah it's and
0: as we know all the 5 year extension does is kind of move your timeline a little bit because the clock starts ticking not this playoffs but if next playoffs goes the same way you're right back in the same position where Giannis can demand a trade at any point like we know he wants to be loyal but we also know he fucking wants to win championships and every player of Giannis's caliber their goal is to win championships and I don't think he I don't know it's another thing Giannis is definitely online He's he's not a James Harden or a LeBron James who can kind of ignore that nobody is that really you know what i mean like people hear these things and people Mm -hmm. know and are more aware of what their legacy is now than probably ever in history because fucking people are tweeting it at them 24 7 so Giannis feels it yeah
2: janice you can sense it with Giannis too like in some of his more recent interviews they've been they've gotten dark he's he's gotten a dark sense of humor about himself you it almost you it's almost you can see uh how that pressure and how that constant you know you know media uh, you know, the bullshit about narratives and stuff like that
0: can weigh on him, but... I, yep. I don't know. It's I, a return full circle, although I think their best chance, weirdly, of all of the quote-unquote contenders because of Bam Adebayo and because of Joel Embiid is a series against the Nets, and that's a weird situation to be in where I would trust them more against the Nets than I would against either of those teams, I think.
2: I... I think you're probably right there, but that's just because of that, That's for, that's just because of Giannis's specific defensive right. greatness.
0: <laughs> and, well, yes, and, I think and that... also like there, I can't see them winning a winning the East this year without Giannis having a great three series leading up to it. And those two guys are just sort of tailor made to make sure that Giannis doesn't. They that's it's Mm -hmm. pretty much two of the three guys in the league if you include Anthony Davis that have that ability and they're just like almost guaranteed to have to go through one of those two guys to make it there which is the worst situation to be in
2: yeah uh but that's how you prove you're an all-time great is by is by doing that kind of stuff and you know Giannis is not someone who's like put together three insane playoff series so far in his career uh in a row and it'd be really really fun to watch him do that because you know you see like these past two weeks he's been about 32 14 and six or something along those lines and
0: yeah i I would say that i I would say the toronto year he put together three great playoff series i i find it hard to blame that toronto series against him but maybe against his conditioning but well until the last four games when Kawhi started guarding him but I that's a that's a different story I just think that he was still the best player on that team though. I think it was worse yeah. against Miami like Bam did yeah. worse to him than Kawhi did You're yeah you're probably right and the other thing was
2: that like how Budenholzer just uh failed to weaponize him at all and, and defensively when I think that I think that Giannis and that's the other part of it is that like I think Giannis defensively could just muck up everything that the uh, that the Nets do like I I think back to the Anthony Davis guarding Westbrook and just shutting down everything the Rockets did yeah. and when he switched on to Harden like Anthony Davis was so ridiculously good uh, switching on to Harden and taking away uh, Harden's mismatch hunting. And I think that Giannis has that level where he's perfect for guarding James Harden in a playoff series. And and that's the sort of defensive greatness he can guard. I mean, I imagine that when it comes down to it, the Nets are gonna run Harden-Durant two-man game in the playoffs, and that's where they're gonna get their offense from. And Giannis is one of maybe the only guys in NBA history who can guard both those players. And um,
0: fucking I mean, Drew Holiday can't guard Kevin Durant, but we've seen him be he's a. Done, he's good done it in playoff series before. He's tried. <laughs> Do you remember the last game of that year when Curry was still out during the regular season? Yeah. New Orleans was trying to make a push for the playoffs. And like mm-hmm. Rondo and Drew Holiday together on that Anthony Davis team just sort of like were messing stuff up for. I mean, they won in overtime mm-hmm. in that game because like Rondo and Drew both dropped 30 and had like three clutch steals on Kevin Durant. So it's
2: all the, all <laughs> the swipe down uh, steals every time Kevin Durant went. <laughs> up this shoot, it was, it was a lot of hands swiping down.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the, outside of the Lakers and LeBron yeah. and KD, is there a better two man combo to guard the hardened KD pick and roll than Giannis and Drew Holiday? Probably not. Probably, uh, probably not. And, and but PG there, there is a
2: question maybe. for me. There's a slight question of, you know they have drew holiday they have pj Tucker, who's a very very good defender and an, and an insanely good team defender like how aggressively does bud weaponize Giannis defensively how how aggressively does bud say like you are guarding their best player like i'm using you to shut down their heavy actions because he's shown this like weird uh um tendency to be like well we don't want him we don't want to tire him out on defense we ask him to do so much on offense and like stuff like that, which in one sense is fair. And in the other sense, it's like, yo, have you seen Giannis? He's like 26 and built like a fucking Adonis. Like if, like I have not seen, like if Giannis has a limit of asking him to do we too much, I haven't it. seen it yet. Exactly. We have not. So it. I, I think, and I think Bud knows that hopefully management is making this clear to him that there is pressure on Bud this year. Cause Roster wise, I don't know how much they can upgrade from the Middleton holiday Giannis core in the next couple of years. They're just going to be building around the edges of that, uh, the fringes of that roster, making improvements. And so where they have the ability to make improvements uh, is in coaching and different coaching styles. And so Bud should be uh, should be his most aggressive at trying out new things and uh, really, really using Giannis to his full potential and not worrying about if he's going to get tired.
0: Yeah. And, you know returning to our original point just to put some closure on this I, I would completely understand just from a historical standpoint i know a lot of people wouldn't like this and a lot of people want to see the mvp go to whoever was the best player every year but the mvp in my opinion is more than that you know it, it's one for the books and it means it means something with regards to narratives and history even if people don't want it to and being the first back-to-back-to-back mvp since larry bird without having another truly transcendent season if it's close which right now it is I think makes some sense. I don't think it is unfair to say Giannis prove it to us a little bit. And um, I don't know. I don't think Giannis's three-year run is quite on the par of Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain or Larry Bird. And I don't think that's unfair to say. <laughs> no,
2: I mean all those guys won
0: at least one championship.
2: Uh, most of them won two. Yep. Uh, won multiple. I. It's very fair. I mean, it's the it's the same thing where. You know, we talked about how Jokic probably should be the front runner for the MVP, and it it really sucks that both of these Rookie of the Year and MVP races that we've talked about are so affected by injury now. Which Do
0: you want to go into that? Because it's something to think about, right? Like, we knew going into this that there probably were going to be some adverse effects to – like, you look at it just on ESPN. I was looking at the schedule because on mobile they have it month by month, and under each month they have the number of games they're playing in the month, and every team is like – 15 games in April, 15 games in May. Like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> it's insane. Uh, it,
2: exactly. I mean, as you're – literally the second you started that rant, I got a notification that Landry Shaman is going to, you know, undergo MRIs on his ankle from him leaving today. But that's it's incredibly frustrating when, when stars of the league are – getting injured and being overworked and you have to miss games. You have You can't right. see them when Steph Curry has been missing time. Yep. Um LeBron AD with serious injuries. It, like
0: the tone deaf, you know, rule that they put in the beginning of the year saying teams are going to get fined if they load manage players during national TV yeah. games. It's like the optics of this are just horrible. I mean, it would have been if LeBron had played tonight, it would have been his fourth game in five days. That's absurd. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's on the coming off of the quickest turnaround in NBA history from end of one season
0: to the start of the next, Uh and you've got uh, prominent players at, like Kevin Durant's coming off an Achilles, LeBron James right. is the, played the third most minutes of any player in NBA history. <laughs> it's nuts.
2: Adam Silver is really trying to make up this money. I, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. They, I mean, he is asking a lot of these players, and these, and I don't know that I haven't heard too much like they've been griping about the schedule but I haven't heard too much specifically like at the league uh anger at the league from players but like you got to imagine they're they're not happy with this it's I imagine.
0: yeah
2: yeah and and it is an important thing to bring up I'm glad that you brought it up like it's it it colors how we, how we view this whole season
0: yeah it's going to be weird looking back at it and now it looks like the Olympics might not even happen, which is gonna make it even look worse if that if the Olympics get canceled and they really just did this for no reason. But I don't know. I am glad to have basketball back in my life. But it really just feels like they could have made it a 60 game season semi-easily at least. I don't know. They
2: they wanted Christmas, they wanted that 72 games and that extra revenue. It's it's really that's really what it seems like. And you know, they they can always sell the players on it because they they bring the money to them and say you'll lose this amount of money. Yep. And the players are always, uh, will always, you know, eventually probably, uh, come to the table and agree to play, but it's unsurprising. You see where the priorities of the owners are and they're, you know, focused on making up all their lost money. Yeah. It's, exactly. I, I just hope that, I just hope that we get a playoffs that is not that, that, that by the playoffs, that is not what the narrative is because, factor,
0: yeah,
2: because if, if these stars and these contenders still have all these injuries by playoff time, then is when Adam Silver is going to start feeling the heat. You know, if we have, if, if LeBron misses playoff time, they're, they're going to push the season back. Like they, I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. That is like, I'm just, I'm realizing like we were going to see LaMelo ball in a Placers and this is unrelated. Like, you know, obviously a broken arm is nothing to do with, getting overworked but you know sure fuck like injuries are the worst man i I would have loved to see Lamelo in his first playoff series as a rookie like how often do we get a star already on a team good enough to like compete in a playoff series it's such a fucking bummer like wow Mm -hmm. and
2: yeah yeah it's all it's all very disappointing and i and it's you know the way that people vote for all nba teams at the end of the season or all rookie teams like how how much do they factor in missed games you know it it was already a thing with the all-star game whereas like you know there's plenty of players who would have made the all-star game and just missed the uh and just missed the the number of game cutoffs you know these arbitrary number of game cutoffs you think of like ad or jimmy or bam right and then guys who or guys who's teams were too low in the standings where they weren't, uh, where they, they weren't considered, but it's also like the all-star game voting took place with like, you know 30 35 games in the season when most teams have been missing star players for like, right. like seven or eight games like, how like much, jimmy and butler not being were, an all-star <laughs> yeah the standing like jimmy butler not being an all-star because the heat were an 11 seed when he comes when like it takes them two weeks to bring him up to a four seed is <laughs> is ridiculous like the standings are so congested like yep. usually it, it's that stuff shouldn't matter that's short into the season but I don't know if people at the end of the year are going to look at awards and because of all these injuries and because of all this COVID missed time, put less of an emphasis on games played and just hope so. focus on who the best players have been, which is how it honestly sh- should be most of the time. I already told you how I was pro and bead right. rookie of the year. year.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the tough thing is like, <laughs> there's going to be more snubs no matter what than ever, because there are 15 guys putting up all NBA level numbers we're well over 15 guys, I should say. I mean, we yeah. look at the MVP race and there are, you know, the fact that there are 10 guys that could legitimately win and that's not even including, you know, Devin it's Booker death. and, yeah. <laughs> and Rudy Gobert, who's almost certainly going to be on an all NBA team because he's on the best team in the league. Um, I don't know. I still think Donovan Mitchell doesn't deserve to quite be in that conversation, but um, he is fucking fun to watch. I'll give you that. He is <laughs>
2: insanely insanely fun to watch and you know his like i i've brought up i i think edwards is is very very similar in terms of just like that athletic burst and that build yeah that's a great comparison when you brought it up i I can't stop seeing it
0: when i watch minnesota yeah
2: especially just the way that like i don't know if i trust either of their jump shots yet but the way that they're able to create space with their balance and footwork on those off the dribble moves to create off the dribble threes it's like if the shot ever comes you're gonna make those off the dribble threes because because you look steady shooting them you they're, they're you're not stretching your normal form to take those threes yeah. and I and that is something. How much of that do you think just
0: plays off of the athleticism though? I mean, those are two of the most athletic guys in the league. And I think a lot of like getting space on those step backs, especially is just like how quick you can be with those legs. And footwork is obviously a big part of it, but you wonder if that's something that doesn't age as grateful gracefully. Although, I mean, that's kind of the player Chris Paul was. He wasn't as vertical, Mm -hmm. but he used his explosiveness so much early in his career and was able to kind of still regain some of that when his athleticism went away. But that is something that worries me a little bit, even though I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the show edwards Mm -hmm. i might like watching him more than i like donovan mitchell who kind of becomes a chucker sometimes
2: yeah i mean i like watching edwards more than i like watching mitchell and i'm not even sure it's (laughs) necessarily about their about their play styles which i think are are very similar obviously but i think it's about their just the like joy that edwards plays with like always got that smile on his face yeah like it's luca it's steph like Luke has gotten a little whinier recently which I can't blame him because he's had such a burden on him for all three years of his fucking career but like Edwards is hitting threes and smiling and jumping around and celebrating and hitting Carmelo with the three to the dome which I thought was really really funny but um you asked that question about like what what I think their footwork is from is that just like from their athleticism and I think it's partially that and I think it's I think a lot of it has to do with how both guys were like elite athletes in other sports, and yeah. these other sports are like very, very, um, very, very key on footwork, and especially very key on like small steps. And I don't and, even like, get me started on quick, fucking Jalen Suggs right now, man. <laughs> and quick footwork, bro. Well, I'm. I was gonna say you can see the same shit with Suggs. So Donovan Mitchell was a drafted uh, baseball player, um, and he was a shortstop, I believe. Yeah. And Edwards was like elite, elite football player. And I think that these, you can see the influence of these cross sports. Um, For sure. You know, this, this cross training from different sports has on these guys and has on their ability to, perform a multitude of different athletic skills and not just you know basketball related stuff And man we Jalen Suggs is honestly a perfect segue because I do want to talk about some of the prospects in March Madness and I guess at this point we should finish
0: up with that that's a good point yeah it's been fun
2: (laughs) we and and at some point we should probably and we should probably just focus on the ones who are going to go far in the tournament like Jalen Suggs uh projects to do because Gonzaga looks ridiculous but like (laughs) man man like Jalen Suggs is like a, like, I don't know what his like half court creation is going to look like in the NBA, but like, he is downright. uh, Lonzo LaMelo ballish with these outlet passes and with his pace that he plays with, he's more transition
0: passes are maybe even better than either Lonzo or LaMelo. Like he's not as good as a passer as either, but in the full court, Holy shit. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) It is absurd. And the way he pushes pace Reminds yeah. me of, uh, reminds me of both of them, but he's more athletic and more has better verticality. Verticality attacking the rim. I mean, he's fishing lobs and off the backboard yeah. dunks. Oh my and, god,
0: uh, the off the backboard one was insane. It,
2: it was in a horrible pass, and he still <laughs> handled it. That's insane
0: athleticism but it, to your point about you know maybe his struggles to create a little bit of offense in the half court I agree with that to an extent he hasn't been a knockdown three-point shooter and frankly he hasn't been taking that many threes but Very low did you watch that Baylor final game in the last three minutes where Jalen Tugs just said like fuck it I'm I'm winning this game and took three off the dribble pull up threes in the past three minutes and just drained them all to give him that win over Baylor and like that's the kind of shit where you're like this guy is fucking good yeah. for it. Like, yeah, it, it's so easy to see him just absolutely dominating, maybe not absolutely dominating, but being a great player right when he gets into the NBA. And I think his ceiling is a lot higher than a lot of draft experts are giving him credit for, but I, I'm, I'm no expert myself, just watching him and mm-hmm. thinking about the things that he could do that translate to an NBA level. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, his athleticism,
2: like absolutely. And the intelligence just in general, like yeah. pops off the screen. Um, Well, where do you have him in comparison to Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green?
0: Uh, I would have him uh, above draft. Jalen Green right now. Okay. I would have him in that third spot, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I Jalen Green is great, but like, I think it is much more valuable, especially immediately. I mean, you see what Tyrese Halliburton is doing, who I think is worse than Jalen Suggs pretty considerably. Yeah. Like, that kind of stuff can be valuable right away to a team. And if you get him in a good coach, Mm -hmm. like in a good system, that's going to build off those things and really utilize the things that he does well and not sort of dwell on things that he does poorly. I think it could really be explosive within the first couple of years. Whereas like I could see Jalen Green being a great player four or five years down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: when it's, it's a lot harder to create against a big uh, did Kyrie just hit thirty-one? No, Oral Roberts just uh, took a two-point lead with two minutes left. <laughs> nice, nice. The uh, yeah, I think Jalen. I think I think I I lean Jalen Green just because I like the upside and the shooting, and he's playing against much tougher competition in the G League, and was putting up num like efficient numbers, like really good scoring numbers uh, against that competition, and that really impressed me. But I I totally agree with just like right. the like that yeah, I mean, he
0: was also playing with better players around him, which I think is yeah, like a, a big factor too. Like is the best team in the
2: country, but yeah. True, not and good they as... run like
0: good pro systems, but like getting like actual legit good NBA players around him, like let's say he got drafted into like the magic or like somebody who has like mm-hmm. dudes there to play with him and not like yeah. fucking Minnesota or, I don't know, Minnesota's okay, but like OKC, even where like <clears throat> kind of be yeah. him and him and Shay on an island, like I would just – I'm really kind of excited to see what right. he does more than anybody else. On a, now.
2: on a team that has a – that already has a primary, you know, offensive creator, I think Jalen Suggs is just, like, a perfect fit. <laughs> like, he's hes perfect to play off of that in, like, a secondary role in a way that, like, feeds that player. Yeah. You know, in the same way, like, he's more athletic. He's better than Lonzo. But I, I, the comparison keeps on coming up for me. And the way that Lonzo is, like, perfect playing off of Zion – I think, you know, Jalen Suggs could be perfect playing off of other guys like that.
0: Um, Yeah, that's so true. Man, it's going to be fun. And, yeah, I mean, just to transition, like, (laughs) Mobley also had an insane game yesterday. Not, like, statistically packing the stat sheet. I think he had, like, I don't know, like, 18-10 and or something like that. Like, a good game. 17-8, Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But like, man, especially defensively, mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll see as the competition sort of gets better over the next week. Hopefully they win tomorrow. But like he just looks so good defensively, always knows where to be. Doesn't seem like he's really selling himself out for blocks and like has the kind of maturity that he could really play the four or the five so effectively in the NBA right now. Whether you are a team that has a center already, whether you're a team right. that, you know, sort of needs somebody like that to run like pick and roll with a good ball handler, he's perfect for kind of anybody right now. There's not a team at the two spot that wouldn't draft him, which is like, you know, if the Kings got the two pick, there's no way they could consider drafting Jalen Suggs, but like any team in the league could consider drafting Evan Mobley at any position Mm -hmm. on the board. And it's really amazing to see.
2: Yeah. It's like, like you think of a team like the T wolves who, I don't, I don't know. They they might've just been infatuated with, uh, with, yeah. Anthony Edwards on their own but like they it seemed like part of their decision to not draft Wiseman not look at Wiseman super heavily with that number one overall pick was because they didn't like the fit with Cat already having a center there. I think it like would have been Mobley nice, you don't whatever. have to worry about that like Mobley would be a like even though they're both nominally centers or four or fives like they would be a perfect combination together just because of how versatile Mobley is like that speaks to I think that just kind of speaks to all the different things he can do and the different ways he's just like perfectly built for the modern NBA as a big. um
0: Yeah. Anybody yeah. else that's impressed you? Um.
2: So like deeper, deeper down the, down the draft list, I think the guy who I'd have like top 20, I don't know if I'd have him lottery, but like, and this is the wrong day to do it. Cause he went off, but for like a, a couple of a few months now, I've been really, really enjoying watching Davion Mitchell play for Baylor. Yeah. He's like, like a, he had like 16 and eight for them today on six for eight, 16 and eight assists. So he was, he was big 12 defensive player of the year, led the big 12 and assists like another guy who's like perfect for a team that already has that primary offensive creator. You know, I was thinking of like the Mavericks for him potentially, because I don't know if he's going to be necessarily like Dort or pick. Matisse oh, level. I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna be like Thor or Matisse Thibault level defender, but I think he could be pretty fucking close to that. And he had some yeah. insanely good possessions on Cade when they played Oklahoma State. And like, I, I, I think that he's that his like speed and like intelligence with the ball. You know, he's he doesn't have like the vertical pop to finish at the rim, but the jumper has looked decent. And if he can make threes and like use his speed to get transition buckets and other half court buckets, like he, he is such a fun defender to watch. Um, I don't know, random, random other, other wings that are good. They're good defenders. You know, Scotty Barnes, uh, yeah, Jaden Springer, yeah. guys like well,
0: that. Sort of aware. I mean, he's more of a guard, but, we talk so much about how situation impacts these guys. I would love to see Corey Kispert go to a good team somewhere in the late yeah. lottery. Like he seems like the kind of guy that could just really make an impact right away for a good team, just as like a either like a rotation guy who comes and hits big shots off the bench or somebody who like, you know, plays with, the best player on your team, playmakers mm-hmm. and creators, and just gets a lot of open shots. Like, you know, just thinking about him on like the Lakers or something makes me want to nut right now. But exactly. obviously that could never happen. <laughs> if if the Warriors were somehow able to get
2: the the T Wolves pick to convey this year, so they got like the fourth or fifth pick, plus got Kispert with their own pick in the late lottery, would be would be a fun. Yep. uh, Matchup for them. Kispert was fun because like I watched him the other night and like doesn't even look like he's that aggressively hunting his own shot. He's not he's not like Duncan Robinson or Berton just flying off seven screens uh looking to catch. And then you look at it and he has like he's five for seven from three in the first half. Like he just finds his way into these open shots and these good looks from three. And he is he's really, really enjoyable to watch. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, the other name that kind of popped out to me, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. He'll probably go somewhere in the late second round, and he's a Nova kid. So I don't remember it specifically, but I must have seen him play once or twice at least in high school. He went to Murray, uh, Luca Garza of Iowa, who just seems like the kind of guy who's going to be able to let his game translate and succeed at the NBA level. Like, he's a – huge monster of a guy who can kind of do everything offensively he's a swiss army knife he can pull out and hit threes he can run pick and roll not a great defender but i think he's the kind of guy who in a couple of years i would not be surprised if he's got a role in a rotation on a team as just like a seven foot massive big right kind of do everything offensively for your team he's not a great passer but i could see him sort of developing that into this game so uh yeah. in, the, in the 50s that's my nathan knight projecting ahead pick of the, <laughs> pick of the year Nathan Knight's been fucking killing it too. Nathan but, uh, Knight.
2: The, uh, the, yeah, well, we're uh, fuck, uh, fuck UVA. Nathan Knight is the best, uh, fuck DeAndre Hunter. Nathan Knight's the best, uh, Especially Virginia college so player on that, uh, <laughs> on that Hawks team. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Garza definitely like, in high school i think his passing out of double teams was getting it was getting a lot of credit it's been like less yeah a part of his game in college like i agree that like most people don't have him in even like if they have him that's like in the 50s getting picked and like i get it he's doesn't project as someone who's going to be able to like defend ball screens at all as a big in the nba um but at the same time like he does feel like a guy like teams sometimes just need scoring and need offensive creation. And he can provide that. Like I think of like Enos Cantor maybe who's, you know, gets roasted, roasted for, for defense and has been for six years. At the same time, he keeps on ending up on NBA rosters and keeps on playing for pretty good NBA teams because when it comes to the playoffs and you need buckets or you need guys who are actually going to finish at the rim and that teams are afraid of when they have the ball, you know, three, five feet away from the rim, uh, it's super I valuable. Like Kevon
0: Looney on the Warriors. Like, they would have been
2: yeah. out of those series without him. Right. Well, Looney is a is an exceptional screen setter. But, <laughs> but yeah, he – which is, like, lame as hell, but the <laughs> – the I gars is kind of fun they have they have another guy on on Iowa Wieskamp, camp who's like a, he's a classic just like white rangy wing like three four kinda of Jake laymany but Lane. uh uh he's it's funny the, it's fun to watch them uh i I don't know who else the who else is really really sticking out to me a lot of the big names have already lost um yeah.
0: Yeah, the Texas like, kid. I liked how he played in that game, even though they got knocked out.
2: Yeah, AO does some new loss today. It um, was disappointing. And then Cade plays later tonight. <laughs> That'll be fun.
0: Yeah. Oregon State looked kind of good. I'm kind of worried about that, but I'm sure he'll be fine.
2: Yeah, uh, I want them to be challenged, but oh well. I yeah. think the the fun thing – so Oregon State beat Tennessee, correct? Yeah, exactly. I, I think they beat Tennessee. Yeah, that was that was very disappointing because Tennessee has two guys. I believe it's it's Keon Johnson and I think Jaden Springer is the other one on Tennessee. And yeah, those Springer's kind of fun. Springer is the guy who's been the best at uh defending, who had the best like high, who did the best high school job of defending Cade. Uh and so it would have been really fun to watch them match up in the tournament. Unfortunately. Uh, Rick Barnes is not a good coach and so Tennessee lost (laughs) he he can recruit the hell out of out of a team but uh, he's got the Mark Turgeon syndrome he can't coach he can only recruit
0: oh my god. Uh, yeah. Any other guys you liked watching these past couple of days? I think that's pretty conclusive. I'm excited to get more into this draft stuff as it trickles out. I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. So I kind of wait until the college basketball season's over to start digging into these things just because yeah. I don't know, man, like the fucking missed layups and terrible offenses really bug me, but Damn. I love watching great NBA players play. So, or great basketball players play. So I'll try to catch as much of the prospects as I can. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I've got nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I was just gonna say this it's disappointing. I was watching Terrence Shannon earlier today. He put up 20, uh, but they lost. It was c- kind of a weird he has a funky form from three, but he went three for four tonight. Uh unfortunately he was three for twelve from two point range. So that's like the kind of thing you have to worry about with him. like in the NBA, I don't know how many, how much like offensive creation he's getting himself. He'd be more of a three and D kind of wing. But uh I I just say like on the on the women's side the only thing I have to add is like I fucking love watching Caitlin Clark play and she she played today and they beat Central Michigan and I'm really hoping that they they get a fun tournament run because she is a blast to watch as a freshman yep. uh, obviously like Paige Beckers is a freshman insane to watch uh, Ryan Howard won today for Kentucky and she's kind of just like bigger and more skilled than everyone else on the court as a like point forward uh, kind of guard the the women's tournament has some fun like real starish potential
0: too yeah so and fucking hopefully that. we get a actual uh date for when the WNBA season is going to start I, I personally can't <laughs> wait it's hopefully this summer because I don't fucking know man like it's 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 bizarre they haven't released anything yet like we just went through free agency we have no idea when the season's gonna start
2: yeah yeah that's that is kind of weird but uh, (laughs) whenever it does I know the mystics will will run through the rest of the (laughs) it's it's I like the the thing that I do enjoy about how the WNBA has played out and we talked about it a little bit during the playoffs but like it's really really fun that the three best players in the WNBA are on the three best teams, <laughs> and it's kind yeah. of definitive uh, between Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, and Deladon. And so it's really fun that just like the playoffs come down to the three best players, and the championship comes down to the three best players. Um, and it's something that you know we we don't have a definitive three best players in the NBA in the NBA, but it's you know between. It's it's why it's I think it's why people are so willing to ignore the Jazz and the Suns, <laughs> because they want to root give for give us a
0: superstar.
2: Yeah, exactly. They want to root for Clippers, Nets, Lakers, Bucks, these teams, even the Sixers, these teams that have guys who you can argue are top five NBA player. They don't they they want it to come down to the biggest names, the best players. And that's why the NBA has the WNBA has been really fun to watch these past few years.
0: Yeah. And like their playoff, I mean, you know, nothing against the uh, seven game series. It's got its benefits, but like there really is something to be said for these single elimination and then best of three series is where everything just matters so much more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that's, that's very true. I don't know the, the jazz, uh, I also think the jazz are kind of, Falling off They're not falling off a cliff, but they're getting worse. They they were sure. playing insane, and they're they're regressing a little bit these past
0: couple yeah. months. I saw I think their, it's become pretty clear they're not even as good as like someone like Phoenix. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished like fourth in the West, fourth.
2: Or, like they they had, they went on an insane little run, but like you know their most played lineup of of Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, uh, Conley, Mitchell, Gobert was. Plus is like plus 10.4 over per 100 over the uh, course of the season so far and they are like minus 0. 0.4 over the past 15 games so it's it's kind of an ugly ugly little trajectory that they're that they're on and you know oh
0: well I don't feel bad they're from you they're they're from utah uh, and their name is the
2: jazz oh
1: well
0: yeah i mean there's like a joke going around in some of the betting communities right now like this utah season has been great can't wait to bet against them in the playoffs <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like man how satisfying would it be to see the jazz get knocked out of a first round series
2: mm-hmm, like like is there a single team one like one through ten in the West where you if the Jazz lost to them in the first round series, you'd be surprised? You'd be like I think the Memphis, Jazz should be maybe. Team. Is Memphis even in the top ten at this point? That you're probably that's they're probably the, the 10 answer. Spot, right? Yeah, that's probably the answer. I think you're right. That might be it though. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's Memphis, and it's like the Spurs, but even the Spurs are coached by Greg
0: Popovich. Like, you never know what can happen. I would not be surprised. I mean, like if they trade DeRozan which I'm not sure isn't going to happen I think I'd be surprised but DeRozan's like been really great this year and they've got the defensive pieces to like give them hell if they wanted to make it like a grind so no I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if the Spurs knocked them out
2: (laughs) yeah the, the the Spurs and the Spurs do have the off the dribble shooting a little bit to be able to knock them out just with like Patty Mills doing his like Patty Mills thing and Lonnie Walker and some of the Like, they'll know how to stress Rudy Gobert in the right ways. Um, Yeah, that's that's about it for me. I I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts? Any, like, last hot take you want to get out?
0: Nothing except for the fact that I'm staring at the NBA standings pulled up on my computer right now, and I'm having a hard time comprehending the L20 next to the Rockets name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. They were – They were, let's see, 11 and 10 when this streak started, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're 11 and 30 now. (laughs) Honestly, one of the more impressive tank jobs probably because, you know, Christian Wood's been really good and uh, Deshaun Tate's been fun. And like Kevin Porter's been really progressive and like, you know, you can't ask for much more for a team that is trying to lose games, but at the same time they're losing games. (laughs) I don't know how
2: the hell Kevin Porter was available for, cho- for so cheap. I mean, they got him for free practically. And like, I get all the character right? stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He, he threw a fit, uh, and threw, I think some type of food when, uh, cause like, that,
1: that,
2: well, that's what you do when you're a cab and you're angry as you throw some type of food at the coach. But he, he threw a fit when, uh, they brought in Torian Prince and gave Torian Prince his locker, uh, when Kevin Porter was injured. Okay, but like that's, that's and then there was well and, there food was and but there were like the reason that Kevin Porter was out anyways, I think were related to like broader character issues, and that was the reason he slipped in the draft and stuff like that. But like fuck that, like John Lucas is assistant coach for the Rockets, he is one of the best player development coaches in the league, and he's one of the best at just like connecting with guys, especially like guys right. who are you know, have these issues who are considered like tough cases and and really getting yeah. the best out of them. And it seems like Steven like, Silas is a great like player coach yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. And nonetheless, like the fact that a guy with that much talent was available was available for, for so cheap is really shocking to me because he
0: is incredibly talented. Um, yeah, but, I like what the Rockets are doing, except for yeah. that the Oladipo thing already looks bad. He would really help a couple teams too. Like get him to I don't know. I'd rather not see him in Philadelphia. <laughs> I want to rose into the Knicks. Is that crazy? No, I want, I want like an already competent guy to the Knicks too. I've, I've already
2: told you about how they were, I don't know if it was just leverage, but they were in the sweepstakes for, for Gordon Hayward this summer. Yeah. And I think that like having Gordon Hayward start games instead of Reggie Bullock uh, would make a big difference for the Knicks. Like that a starting lineup built around like quickly Rose and then Barrett Hayward, Julius Randall, Mitchell Robinson, Pretty good, Not bad. pretty, pretty solid uh, starting lineup, but uh, alas, it, it would be fun. That's why I'm looking at the Knicks and Tibbs specifically as a guy who is going to want, is going to want uh, like competent NBA players for his playoff push. And the Knicks are loaded up with draft assets from uh, themselves. And then from Dallas Mavericks in the, in yeah. the, the Christophe's trade. And so, you know, let's see if they can swing That one's swing protected, right? I
0: wonder if it's one of the ones that's protected and becomes two seconds or protected and becomes an unprotected first. Probably two seconds, I would imagine. I would imagine it conveys either way. Yeah.
2: I, I think the Mavs are going to be a playoff team. I, I don't think that they're going to fall below, I, below the top 14.
0: You're probably right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't but, uh, imagine
0: at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Luca's just too good.
2: Yeah, but uh Knicks are interesting.
0: Tibbs is, Tibbs is a blast. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. The NBA is fucking fun right now, and mm-hmm. let's hope there's no more injuries because I fucking can't take it. Stay safe out there, fellow MVP candidates, because right now they're dropping like flies. Giannis, <laughs> Jokic, Dame, Jimmy Butler. Steph mm. Yeah, time. Yeah, uh, stay, stay healthy, guys. It's the treacherous world out there. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to
2: talking to you next week and just being like, yo, what the fuck happened to the trade deadline? I, I really hope we get to- I don't fun. know if we'll have any big shakeups. I know, but like, this um, is
0: always the point in our lives. I mean, now we kind of share our, an NBA Twitter account. So like we have the notifications on all the time, but this is always mm-hmm. the point where like we'd be texting each other or talking to each other in person and say like, you turn the, you turn the Woj notifications on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's uh it's really a wonderful time. NBA
2: Christmas. <laughs> oh man. Like I feel so bad for, uh, for every teacher who has had me at, on the NBA d- d- deadline, uh, in my two to three thirty class i've had a couple of them and my face is just glued every every time my phone lights up i'm like Ooh, whoa, what's going on what's going on
0: <laughs>
2: but oh. it's 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 the best it's the best yeah. season best time in the it's world
0: it's been a while since the trade deadline came and went where we didn't get at least one let's say top 30 player in the league traded i mean last year there was someone right um it's so long ago
2: it all kind of, of blends together oh did the trade
0: deadline not happen last year or did it i don't the,
2: know the trade the deadline had already occurred when because it's at all-star break they
0: already Capella, occurred i guess it's kind of big i don't know
2: <laughs> yeah i mean the big move yeah was the rockets going all in on small ball um I don't know there was oh, already
0: Russell, I guess people thought that was yeah. a big
2: one at the time. Um, I mean, there was a top 10 player already traded in the middle of the season this year, <laughs> but that is
0: true. <laughs> uh, I,
2: I think like either like or Aaron, like Oladipo, Aaron Gordon, DeRozan, I think Aaron Gordon is the most likely of those to be traded. Uh, Oladipo probably will be, but I don't know where, like, what he's someone's going to give up something for him if it's only like a second in a prospect or something. But, uh, I, I think, I think Aaron Gordon is probably the likeliest big name to be traded. And finally, because it's been too many fucking years where we've all realized that he doesn't fit in Orlando's system with Vooch and Jonathan Isaac and all
0: those other guys. I'm fucking Birch Trade either one of him or Bomba. Like, free Bomba, man. I I, mean, I know we talked about the per hundred possessions, a couple, uh, couple weeks ago but like free my dude i want to see him jacking up threes getting blocks i don't care if he has seven blocks for 100 possessions or the, seven
2: fouls the wizards have fucking started mo Wagner for their past like 20 games until this last little stretch when he got injured like of course mo could get Burnett center for the wizards it's alex len is having 20 point nights like just give us someone who with with any sort of like talents or upside um I also hope that the Wizards, just as an aside, become sellers at the trade deadline. There, this team is them. not good. They're they—I don't know—they're in cap hell too. Like uh,
0: the future of the Wizards is murky.
2: We're in—we are in cap hell, but that's that was going to happen just no matter what once <laughs> as soon we got as they Western. made the
0: Burton signing pretty much I mean Westbrook well, would have been well fine as soon as it.
2: we made the John Wall signing we had yeah. five years where we were going to be in Capel and now we're dealing with it with Russ Brook but it's the same sort of contract um the I just hope like it seems like they're putting their young guys on on display a little bit the young guys who who don't seem to be part of their future and like bonga has been getting playing time recently troy brown has been getting playing time recently it'd be it'd be nice to just like make a deal for one of those guys especially like troy brown who i don't think we're gonna keep after this year like it'd be nice to just like get something for him because a classic ernie grunfeld move would be losing someone for nothing nothing. and wizards fans are just looking for any sign even two years after that to (laughs) just give us more confidence that we past that yeah, that we're past that stage of, of Wizards' life.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, man. I want nothing but the best for the Wizards and uh, nothing but the best for hopeful full-on teardown this summer. I've got my fingers crossed. So, well,
2: I told you before we got on, just Four different Wizards accounts I follow watched twenty minutes of that USC game and we're like we need Evan Mobley like there would be he would a, a team built around Russell Westbrook Bradley Beal and Evan Mobley I don't know how the timelines like, like how much west how good Westbrook's gonna stay as Mobley develops but like that that is a pretty solid top three guys
0: yeah it's not bad it's not bad at all you are you're not wrong but um I don't know fucking Nets in five. <laughs> that's that is
2: that is probably fair uh, i don't know not not when evan mobley is uh switching on to james harden and locking him down in the clutch but we don't need to get into that
0: oh uh, uh, yeah and that one win would be spectacular
2: bill bill with Beal and westbrook 40 each
0: the uh man yeah i don't know that's the thing though like I think they will trade Beal this summer, probably. And I think they could still compete for the playing spot with a team built around Russell Westbrook, a top pick and whatever they get from Beal, which is crazy to think. Like the East is so bad right now. You can rebuild and still put asses in the seats. Like that is it's, where we're at.
2: <laughs> it's also, I I also have mixed feelings about how good Bradley Beal is. And it's it's just like a weird thing where he's, he just like, I don't know. I don't know how much worse the wizards get when they trade Beal because they're already so bad and Westbrook brings you a floor. I think even with how bad I mean, Westbrook's brand, it's a the floor brand some games.
0: Thing, right. Like there are just some players yeah. who are ceiling racers. I mean, people wanted to put that moniker on Steph Curry. It was obviously ridiculous. But Bradley Beal probably is one of those players who by himself is not going to be able to drag your team right. to being incredible he's gonna have to be a 1b or a one of the better twos in the league and find him that spot because he's an incredible basketball player who i want to see compete for titles like right it's mutually beneficial it seems like right he he
2: like he's insane but like he wins games based on his like individual shot making occasionally not on his like just general presence over the game and general presence on the floor exactly so it's it's very like like he but it's also like yeah, It's like what Zach Levine does is he'll win Chicago some games just from his insane shot making. But like, so Brad, but Bradley Beal is not, I don't know if he's this level scorer where it's like, like he, it's I don't not know if Harden, he's the, basically. Right, exactly, the like, him. Yeah. right. He's like, he gets, he's the leading scorer in the league. He's averaged over 30 points per game the last two years, but I don't, I think I would put like, a, there's a, there's still five guys. I think I would put ahead of him as a pure score and who do other, and, and then as a player, Many, many guys. I that's interesting.
0: As a pure scorer, like Harden, scorer, Steph, LeBron, Luca, KD. Yeah. Like that's probably that's probably close to it. Yeah.
2: But I but I like I think in the right, like it's Devin Booker Dame, too. Like, maybe. Once, once Devin Booker got CP three and got some defensive help, the team yep. looks a lot better. But like on his own, Devin Booker is gonna is not going to uh not going to turn you into a playoff yeah. team.
0: I mean, Denver makes a hell of a lot of sense. And that's my preferred personal destination. But that, I mean, Denver, or I don't know, it's probably too much to get Philly without giving up. Like if Philly gave you the fucking James Harden deal, five picks and whatever else, would you be happy with that? As long as we didn't flip it for uh Oladipo um <laughs> the <laughs> That's like I'm just trying to think I mean, yeah no I, get I like
2: Harris. five like like four first rounders yeah like four or five first rounders I probably I probably do it but the the goal obviously is to get like a blue chip yeah like you know prospect like a a real real star level kind of guy that's the
0: thing like it it probably helps to wait till after the lottery because maybe they get that and you feel a little bit better about yeah Cade Cunningham and six first round picks in the future than you know I don't know Cade Cunningham and Michael Porter Jr. would be pretty fucking nice too I mean
2: uh, that's the (laughs) well that's the Oklahoma City is Shea Gilgis Alexander and six picks and that's how they rebuild and yeah, it, and it turned like out decent... Shea was also
0: <laughs> a building yeah, block. Ex- like they got real yeah. lucky, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I
2: am curious if I if I if I ever have a chance to talk to Sam Presti, I w- I would ask him like, when you made that trade, like, do did you expect this out of Shea? Like, did you expect him to turn into a twenty-five point per game guy so soon, or were you just like, we'll take their best young prospect plus all the picks we can get?
0: yeah that's the thing. like i believe that he was high on shea Gilders alexander but you'd have to be a fucking idiot to turn down paul yeah. george first a young recently like developing really good rookie and mm. five first round picks plus yeah. three swaps was it eight in total
2: it was two swaps so seven in total okay. but they've added like Five first-round picks on top of that, and subsequent <laughs> trades. So it's not it's not like they're lacking in that department. That is my that is my number one. I think that's the team I want Cade to go to most is Oklahoma City. That would I think be nasty. I think I think Shay and Cade and would be a lot of fun. And I think it also those two are so good that it would uh, entice uh, Oklahoma City into into moving their timeline up just a little bit and flipping some of those draft picks for another right. star level guy who they can
0: Sacramento who, will be on, be who will be on
2: the same timeline as them.
0: Yeah. I mean frankly the Wizards would be fun roll out Russ and Cade. <laughs> right. I mean even like Minnesota but
2: like you know.
1: Like I don't like, hate
2: that. Like Cade Edwards' cat would be a fun building block. Cade Cade's so it's just like any team who doesn't
0: who who needs more creation would be would I mean, be great. But like basically getting one of those top two picks is the only way the Timberwolves don't get absolutely fucked. Um well the year after they get, right? yeah. Well, I mean they could get third. <laughs> and they keep their pick with third, but no, but like do you think Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green yeah, is keeping them from being a like bottom three team? Giving again? up an insane, yeah,
2: insane draft pick. Probably probably not. Chris Finch is your only hope for that. <laughs> I guess so <laughs>
0: yeah
2: I don't know they have so many good young players though Minnesota like I like most of the young guys on their roster yeah it's like Nas Reed McDaniel, Jalen Noel really fun. like Jalen Noel even uh
0: Malik Beasley's pretty fun too
2: Beasley's good I, I'm trying to think even the uh the kid McLaughlin like the guy who yeah. who, who like He's like Javon Cartery, where he just like hounds the hell out of the ball, and he, maybe the ball, the bald head, is helping out with that comparison for me a little bit. But like, like can make shoots open, catching through threes, and just plays ridiculous defense. I always had a soft spot for players like that. That's why I like Davion Mitchell. <laughs> but, uh,
0: well, you got anything else?
2: I I think that that is about it. Yeah, let's go.
0: Whoever is playing the wizards.
2: Exactly. I I'm hoping that they lose that they lose right now. In fact,
0: they did did already lose. lose? Okay. They did. They did. They lost, yeah. By seven. Bless up. Um (laughs) 10 2 start for the Phoenix Suns against uh, the LeBron James Less Lakers, who have started out one of seven from the field. Should be a fun month. You think the Suns can win the West? Yes. I think they will if I had to pick right now. Really? Yeah.
2: You I don't think, think it's going to be the Clippers. Who's never made a final? This is
0: the team. Oh, win the West. I think they're going to be the one seed. I do okay, not think okay. they're going to win the West. Uh, yeah. I,
2: do you think that they can win the West, is what I was asking? Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. I think they're the third best team in the West. I think they're better than the Clippers right now. Okay. And third best, I'm having a healthy Denver Nuggets as the second best team. And the Jazz as the fifth best team. Is that crazy? I I don't know. Clippers (laughs) is the fourth? Yeah. I think that's probably – I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that right now in a series, especially considering how good he's been in the clutch, I would much rather have Nikola Jokic leading my team than Kawhi Leonard. Well, I think – that's why I think I would literally just – uh rank
2: it in terms of who has the best player i'd put lakers one nuggets two clippers, the clippers three, three yeah. and Suns four and jazz five in terms who's of the, my who's ranking. the best son chris paul like take your pick like, i think they're very very close sure. but mm-hmm. like i think chris paul means more to how they play like i i think the peyton manning analogy is very very apt I think just like the style that they play and on both ends of the floor will be more reflective of Chris Paul's qualities than they will be of Devin Booker because his brain is. Does that make
0: Ricky Rubio, Brock Osweiler? I don't know. (laughs) Ricky, man,
2: I don't know what Ricky Rubio is. Ricky Rubio is Matt Stafford to me. It's just like, you know, came in with a lot of hype. It never was like fully a disappointment, but also was never you're never fully satisfied with what you got from him.
0: Matt Stafford is gonna win a Super Bowl with the Rams. Book it.
2: Oh, Rubio might win a uh in the <laughs> finals with the Clippers. They, oh, they the come Bucks. out to, they come out to LA and they they find their find their home. Uh I don't hate the Stafford take. I like the Rams.
0: Yeah, they did just lose their best our second best cornerback. I'm kind of worried about their defense and their defensive coordinator got a coaching job with San Diego, but I just love McFay. Like it's hard for me to get that. <laughs> they took Jared Goff to the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> Um yeah. yeah. That Super Bowl, that was
2: oh, that Super Bowl sucked. I, I enjoyed it, but I, I could awful. see why people didn't. <laughs> yeah, you, you wonder why. Mm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Um, Uh, yeah. That's all I got, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: about all I got. And I don't know if we're putting this in the pod, but like NFL free agency has been pretty, pretty fun.
0: The it's been the most fun in a while. Yeah.
2: The Patriots loading up has been really enjoyable. Johnny Smith is a tank. Like he seems perfect for Cam.
0: Yeah, he's a great blocker. And then like Hunter Henry's really awesome too. And I think they draft a running a wide receiver, so that's going to be really fun. Yeah, they're getting all their holdouts back. Which yeah, is, I forgot that like half their team didn't play last year like and KV was good, still pretty good. All of
2: their best players like held out.
0: Yep. Yeah, man, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the SC championship. <laughs> uh, like, I would be very surprised if our Pittsburgh Steelers did, though. Let's get Ben Roethlisberger out of the building. Did you see Juju? Uh, Turn down the Ravens. Yeah, took less money to stay with the Steelers. Makes sense. Yeah. I think you like Spitzberg a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you like Pittsburgh a lot. It's just like, yo, know, like, I don't know. Like, Juju might be a little overconfident in himself. Like, I don't know if I'm hooking myself as the – if I'm, like, the number one wide receiver for Ben Roethlisberger. Like, I don't know what – like, like, Ben Roethlisberger isn't throwing me open. Like, he's not – no. Juju's not that. Like, I think the Ravens will, will create more open looks for their receivers
0: and the Steelers. My thought is that he must know that this has been all this burgers last year, as it very much seems like it is, and that they're going to pay him once Ben Osberg is off the books next offseason when they have a that little bit more sense. cap room. And I don't know. I, I hope I would really love to see us trade up for a quarterback this year, especially since I, I've fallen in love with Trey Lance, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, alas. Um, all right well if this goes in then uh <laughs> it was it was fun and uh, we'll be back next week hopefully with a league that looks completely different that's my fingers crossed
2: my fingers crossed too uh i don't i don't think that the contenders are going to be changed but i think that who decides could.
0: i wouldn't be surprised
2: the the clips could but i i think just next week is going the playoff picture already looks like it might be taking shape in terms of like what teams are going to make it and what teams aren't. I think next week should give us a lot of clarity as to just like what teams are gunning for it and what teams aren't and what
0: teams are going to be buyers and sellers and, and all that. Yeah. And I think tonight's news that we reacted to live on pod probably even exacerbates that. So I'm excited and uh, we'll catch you next week. Mm. Peace.
1: (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>